Welcome to the Hirschfeld Century Podcast. My name is David Leopold, the creative director of the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. And I'm Catherine Eastman, the archives manager. And today we want to start off with a bit of news. Uh, um, at the beginning of June, we opened a new installation at the Algonquin Hotel, located in the heart of the theater district in New York. Uh, of course, all of uh, people who know Hirschfeld know his great drawing of the Algonquin Roundtable. And if you have been following anything that the foundation has been doing over the last four years, you know that we have put together an installation for their lobby. Uh, this is our fourth year. Mm -hmm. Right. And this year's theme is Broadway, or today's Broadway, as seen by Hirschfeld. It's great. Al might have been gone for 15 years, but he has pretty much drawn the season. Yeah. You can see drawings of My Fair Lady, Carousel, Angels in America. Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen <laughs> on Broadway, yep. drawn by Hirschfeld. Uh, you can also see shows that have long are long running, uh, mm -hmm. like Phantom of the Opera, which right. he drew when it originally um, premiered, and that production is still on, as well as Chicago, right. which I have come to learn is the longest running American musical on Broadway of all time. That, that is accurate, yes. That is. And it's a revival, which is also just really, really mm -hmm. remarkable. Yeah. We also have portraits of the playwrights and composers. So you could go in there and see uh, George Bernard Shaw, mm -hmm. Eugene O'Neill. Rodgers and Hammerstein. Yes, indeed. Candor and Ebb. Andrew Lloyd Webber. Tom Stoppard. <laughs> Uh, Carol King. Learner and Low. Learner and Low, of course. <laughs> and we also have one of the great drawings that we have there is a wonderful drawing of St. Joan. Yes. With uh, the African American actress uh, Diana Sands mm -hmm. playing the role, but it could easily be of uh, the current production of St. Joan, uh, St. Joan on Broadway. Yep. But we don't want to give too much away, so you should go to the Algonquin and see it. It's a it's a great thing. It doesn't cost anything. There is a handout that will tell you who all the people are yep. if you can't guess it yourselves. That's true. We do not tell you how many Ninas are there. We're not allowed to. No, and I, I don't we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't bother to count. <laughs> all right. On to today's episode. Yeah, so today's episode was a suggestion by me. And as always, David was a little apprehensive, but then once we started to research it a little, he was like, Oh, you know what? We could do an episode on this. I, you one has to understand that uh, Catherine is a wonderful colleague, a great archives manager, a wonderful uh, co-host on a podcast, but she does come up with some ideas that are really not ready for prime time. <gasps> like what? I you can't, can't even remember. think. I, I, I forget them almost as soon as they come up. <laughs> Uh, she wanted to do a whole show on Elvis, and I said we couldn't do oh, a whole yeah, show on I Elvis. Did. No, and I, I admit, there, there are not that many drawings of Elvis, though they are all really good ones. <laughs> and so the Elvis, my Elvis podcast suggestion turned into the rock and roll episode. Look it up. Which was a good episode. Yeah, I it was. Thought. No, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, but today's episode is Elizabeth Taylor. That's our subject. We want to go to the movies. We haven't taken you to the mm -hmm. movies for a while, so today yeah. we're going to the movies, although it's not exclusively movies. No, that's true. No. Uh, but the very first drawing of Elizabeth Taylor is from a movie, yep. not surprisingly, National Velvet. Yep, from 1944. And this is unusual for a couple of different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, it is not a line drawing. No, no. No, it's not a line drawing. What is it exactly? 
It, I've never seen the original, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm pretty sure it's a pastel drawing. Interesting. Which makes it almost uh, completely unique mm. in the history of Hirschfeld's mm-hmm. work. He did four pastel portraits of the leads in National Velvet. Right. And what I thought was so funny when I came across it, Hirschfeld was great at keeping great account books. Yes. I mean, he kept we've, records. We've talked about that before. We often will look in them to see if we've missed a drawing maybe and we can find where it was published and find an image for it. But they are. They're very, very detailed. And so when I came across the listing for National Velvet, it said Mickey Rooney, mm-hmm. Donald Crisp, mm-hmm. Butch Jenkins. Yep. And a young girl. <laughs> and if I hadn't, if I didn't know the pieces in advance, I right. would be wondering, oh, young girl, unidentified young woman. Right. Uh, but of course, this is really one of her first films and probably her first major role. Uh, yeah, definitely. And it, uh, and getting Hirschfeld to draw your portrait at MGM was a sign that you had a major role. Right. Right. Uh, but it's a wonderful piece, and it is. I mean, it's. It's definitely Hirschfeld. Mm-hmm. It's just treated differently. Yes. I uh, The only other piece I can remember uh, that is somewhat like this, uh, he did a Catherine Hepburn, I think it's Robert Montgomery in Undertow. Mm. Uh, and that was done in pastels, uh, although not as a portrait, just more of a, a two figures. Um, but it really, he was always experimenting, and I think, and MGM allowed him to work in color as much as right, he wanted. Right. Um, and they didn't dictate what they wanted. They really gave him the assignment of the film, and he did what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is very, this is her first drawing uh, as a 12-year-old or, you know, 11, 12-year-old girl to be drawn by Hirschfeld already. A sign of things to come. Yes, unidentified young woman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so next, we've got more MGM work. Um, well, of course, because yes. she was an MGM. Yes. Actually, one of her um, supporters at MGM was a friend of Hirschfeld's. Who? Uh, the producer, Sam Marks. Oh. Sam Marks is a, was a childhood friend of Hirschfeld's. Now, is this Marks, M-A-R-X? M-A-R-X, okay. but no connection to right. the brothers of okay. the same name. Right. Although, for I all figured, I know, he may cause... have had a brother. Yeah. <laughs> but he was a character... Not unlike the Marx yeah. Brothers. Uh, when Al was first getting started, Sam Marx thought that his work should be seen by more people, and he offered to be mm. Al's agent. Uh, and Al thought that was great. Mm-hmm. You know, Al was maybe 18 or 19, and wow. here he had an agent who was going to get him work. But it turns out that Sam Marks went to the movies much more to watch than to actually get any assignments. Oh, gotcha. And he ended up not getting any assignments. <laughs> for the young Al Hirschfeld. And, uh, fortunately for us, because it allowed Hirschfeld to sort of, he was his own best uh, mm. advertisement. Mm-hmm. People yeah, liked yeah. him. Uh, they liked his work, of course. But he was easy to get along with and fun. Yeah. And in that Wild West period of movies right. uh, in the 20s, uh, being a fun guy to hang out with was uh, a very good calling card. Um, but and he would go on to become an MGM producer. Mm. He shows up in another drawing in the 40s when Al goes to Hollywood in 1942. Right. And we see a picture of the MGM commissary. There is Sam Marks at the writer's table. Oh, gotcha. And he would he would remain a close friend of Al's Aww. his whole life. Um, like so many people. I mean, Al was there at the creation of most of popular culture. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the important players were were guys that he grew up with. Right. 
Right. And uh, he stayed friends with them his whole life. And it, uh, it, it brought him a lot of work. Mm. I mean, they recognized that he was good. And uh, like I said, they liked him. Mm. So Sam Marks helped um, Elizabeth Taylor get the National Velvet role. And I don't know if he played another role. Uh, he, he did the same thing for the next drawing that she's in, which is A Date with Judy. Right. Now, this was not a starring role. This was actually a supporting role. Mm-hmm. She was a teenage man-stealer. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, and uh, and the lead of that film was, uh, was not Elizabeth Taylor, but was Jane Powell. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And he would do several drawings, as yes. was typical for him when he did a film. He often did a black and white drawing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he would do a different drawing that was uh, um, used on the posters. Right. Uh, or he'd do a color work for the posters. Right. Because um, um, as we've talked about before, when we say he does a, you know, the posters for the film, that usually means five or six different posters. Correct. Correct. Um, and the images were also used on lobby cards and in black right, and white right. uh, uh, print advertising. Right. Now, A Date with Judy has Robert Stack in it, which I'm very excited about because I'm a total Unsolved Mysteries nut. And I'm just too excited that Hirschfeld drew Robert Stack. So this is why I don't take every idea that <laughs> Catherine gives because she has some unusual... An uh, unsolved Mysteries. Yes. One. That uh, one. Hollywood Scandals. That was Catherine's idea. Well, we still have part two to do as well. Oh, my we God, We still have folks. part two of Hollywood Scandals. We're going to get to it, I promise. Yes. It's in the... We're working on it. Um, the next drawing is actually, a, a, I think, a very interesting drawing because it's a change in Hirschfeld's work. It's Ivanhoe. Yes, it's a scene from Ivanhoe with um, Elizabeth Taylor and uh, Robert Taylor. Mm -hmm. No relation. No relation. (laughs) And what's interesting about this is his film drawings at this point are getting much more complicated. Mm -hmm. They're not being used on posters. They're being used for print publications. And he understood the context meant a great deal. Mm. If you were working on a poster, it had to be instantly identifiable. Right. It had to be able to be read from far away and mm-hmm. very quickly on a passing bus. Or if you're right. passing in a bus and you see it on the you know the side of the street, um, so it's very I guess simplified. Right. More so. Well, as uh, I've made the case uh, repeatedly, that that is where I think Hirschfeld became Hirschfeld. Right. Learn to say more with less. Correct. Uh, whereas these drawings for MGM in the 50s, mm-hmm. uh, the studio system was in the process of disintegrating. Mm. Antitrust suits uh, had caused the studio system as it, as it was in the 20s, 30s, and 40s to be broken apart because the studios owned too much of the system. Mm. But also by this point, posters were becoming mostly text. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. It was, Uh, uh, you know, Judy Garland's name has to be so big and, (laughs) you know, all this stuff. So so the pictures on the posters got smaller and smaller and smaller to where they were basically just all text. 1950 is actually the very first year there is not a Hirschfeld film poster since 1927. Wow. Wow. And he had been doing posters for up to half the films released by MGM in any given year. Mm. It's really remarkable. So that's drastic. It is drastic. He would do a few more posters for MGM mm-hmm. in the 50s, but that period had passed to right. the great uh, illustrated poster. poster. Yeah. And uh, the studio itself was passing. Gotcha. Uh, so um, this drawing, 
Elizabeth Taylor is not the focal point of it. It's no. very much a scene of the film. Mm-hmm. And it was accompanied by a rather long caption trying to give you all the information of the film. Mm. Uh, so it was less dependent on Hirschfeld than it... I mean, it was just a... It, it's not one of his most lyrical works. Right, right. It's it's simply a scene. Right, exactly. Think, yeah, definitely. All right, our next one. Oh, perfect. Our next one is a Collier's drawing. Everybody knows, well, some people know that I love my Collier's drawings. Uh, so this is Elizabeth Taylor, Van Johnson, and Walder Pigeon mm-hmm. in The Last Time I Saw Paris. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. This was uh, a drawing for John O'Hara's appointment with O'Hara right. column. Right. Um, and as we've said in previous uh, episodes, um, Al did two or three drawings for this column in every issue. Yeah. Uh, no, there are, for yeah. about three or four years, I think from 52 to 55, maybe. Yeah, yeah. maybe but, uh, 56, because I know there's an Elvis one. Right. Yep. So mm-hmm. I think it goes to 56. Yep. Um, this is done in January of 1955. Uh, when you see it reproduced, oftentimes it has the colors that uh, yes. Collier's had had sort of overlaid on the drawing. Yes, yeah. Uh, this wasn't, you know, Hirschfeld wouldn't add color to these black and white drawings. They were black and white drawings. Right. Uh, but Collier's and other magazines would also choose to add a little bit of color. Sometimes, and just this is just kind of a behind-the-scenes uh, bit for you, sometimes it's easy for me to remove that color, and so I do because I know that that's not how Hirschfeld drew it other times it's much more difficult uh depending on the tone of that color and so i i leave it in sometimes um sometimes it's easier to take away than other times and and this one still has the color so clearly it was not as easy for me and i said (laughs) pink we're gonna keep the pink that's the way it's gonna look (laughs) now of course if we license this for something we would we would definitely definitely Uh, But we wanted to get it up on the website. Our goal is to get everything up on the website. And Catherine spends a considerable amount of time doing just that. I do. So every time you see image coming soon, we really mean it. (laughs) Yeah. There are over 7,000 drawings now on our website. So that means we still have about 3,500 to do. Mm. We're working on it. We have a lot of things to do here, but we are working on it. I promise (laughs) you. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so then the scene changes, um, where it had been MGM uh, for so much of, uh, of Hirschfeld's film career mm-hmm. um, up to this point. As MGM uh, fell apart, Al Hirschfeld hooked up with the, the, the really the next big giant in filmmaking, mm. which was United Artists, right. a studio without a studio. Mm. Interesting. Um, uh, uh, it was really uh, independent film producers working under the United Artists banner. Right. And now United Artists was started by Mary Pickford, Charlie oh. Chaplin, Douglas Fairbanks, and I can do this, D.W. Griff- Griffith. Hi, <laughs> Tracy. Yes. D.W. Griffith. Yes. And that was, that was their studio so that they could make films that they wanted to make. Right. Now, the United Artists of the 60s, from what we understand, is that same company, but definitely under new. Yeah, it was management. revived. Right, and, right, right. But the but the idea held. Yes. That the right, right. that the artists would make their own films. That the right. actors uh, or uh, the creative people would be in charge of making the films. Right. And they produced some of the great films of the nineteen sixties. Yeah. Uh, certainly all the and and fifties as well. Fifties. Uh, oh. Defiant ones. Sure. Um, what's the Helen Keller one? I always forget. Miracle Worker. Correct. <laughs> Oh, Elmer Gantry mm-hmm. and... Uh, Manchurian Candidate. Uh, Manchurian yeah. Candidate. I mean, so a, a lot of these uh, films were 
uh, terribly important in the 1960s. Right. And not only were they important, but they were very popular. Mm. And when the Academy Awards nominations came out, some years almost all the best movies or the best actors and actresses were almost all from United Artists films. Wow. And so... Can you imagine that happening today? No. <laughs> well, I, I don't think we think about films. Yeah, I don't think we think studios. about the studios no, as much. No, we don't, no. If you're in the business, of course, you think about sure, it. But sure. I think the average person does not. Yeah, no, that's um, true. Uh, but United Artists understood that they had something unique going on. Yeah. So they would ask Al to do drawings of all their nominees. Mm. So in 1960, there's a wonderful drawing of the nominees for Best Actor and Actress uh, on a stage, taking a bow that includes Elizabeth Taylor yep. in Butterfield 8 mm-hmm. and Jack Lemon in Some Like It Hot. Yep. Catherine Hepburn, Audrey Hepburn. Jimmy Stewart in, I think, Anatomy of a Murder? Yep. So it's it's a really wonderful uh, drawing. Um, hands are clapping. I mean, Hirschfeld always trying to get the hands in. Mm-hmm. This drawing, believe it or not, is in the collection of... The art museum in Davenport, Iowa. Of course it is. <laughs> I wonder what the story behind that is. Uh, well, it was an individual who collected seven drawings. Mm. He was from uh, Iowa, Iowa. Okay. And he gave them, it's now called the Fig Art Museum. Fig, oh. F-I-G-G-E. Oh, okay. For those of you at home keeping yeah. records. Uh so they have, I mean, that is one of the unusual things about Hirschfeld. Yeah. The drawings show up in some pretty yeah. remarkable oh, definitely, places. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Uh, so the next one is another, from 1961, is another Academy Award hopefuls. And this is a much more traditional theme for Hirschfeld. Yes, uh, but we have a reprise of Elizabeth Taylor and Jack Lemon. Right, because they're still making, <laughs> Jack Lemon uh, had made The Apartment that year. Gotcha. Uh, Burt Lancaster mm-hmm. had made Elmer Gantry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spencer Tracy's in there. Yeah. Uh, Laurence Inher- Olivier. Inherent the Wind. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence Olivier for The Entertainer. Oh, right. Which There's Al a had, great drawing of that. But that was a, a stage single. production. Yeah. Oh, and he yeah. did both. Yes. He did the film and the stage. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Um, but here they, they ha- he has them seated at uh, tables like it's a cocktail party. And that is a theme, well, he had used uh, most famously in his overview of the history of films in 1954. Um, that was used for a mural at the Fifth Avenue Cinema hmm. um, and is sometimes referred to as Movie Land or the movies. Gotcha, um, gotcha. It's, if you go to our Facebook page. That's our cover that's photo. Our, that's yeah. our cover It's a photo. great one. It's real. I can almost name, here's a good challenge for somebody to look at the, that movie's um, drawing and name all the people. We should have a contest. That's sometimes. a great contest idea. Yeah. Because I know I can get most of them, but there are a few that I, I don't know. Uh, if you think you know everybody in that and well, you don't I'll have to do, yeah, I'll have to do something special because if you go to the website and look at it, all the names are there. So we'll have to do, we'll have to do something sneaky. I don't know. We'll have to think that, we'll think about it. We'll that. think about it, but yeah, yeah. More contests we hear from people. Yeah. But that's a good idea because there are a ton of people in it. All right. So we're still in the 60s, but David, we skipped over my favorite movie of all time. Well, one of them. And that's Giant. Uh, the never only th- drawn. Never drawn. The, however, it was kind of. So there's one very, very small. <laughs> Breaking news, David. I know more than you. <laughs> <laughs> Do I'm tell. Teasing. So 
Giant was never drawn, but it was kind of drawn uh, in 1988. There's no business like show business. That's the drawing. And there's a small, small drawing of James Dean, and it's his role in Giant. Not Rebel Without a Cause. It's not, because he has a drink in his hand, and he's got his shirt open, and he looks like a cowboy. All right. So, and he only did, yeah. So, but that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, I'm very disappointed it wasn't drawn, but here we are. We, and that's as retroactively as we can get it. Yes. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor was never drawn in Giant. In Giant, no, no. I just wanted to, when else are we going to talk about James Dean? <laughs> so, because we're not doing a James Dean episode. That's the only drawing of James Dean. <laughs> yeah, that's the only one. It's just a little, it's a, again, kind of like the movies. It's a big drawing of a bunch of different people. Right. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> for those of you with history on your mind. You're welcome. <laughs> So uh, the next drawing, uh, actually, we'll revisit our CBS drawing right. <laughs> from our uh, last episode. The scene shifts to television uh-huh. because she did a special for CBS in, 19, in the 1962-63 season mm. of Elizabeth Taylor in London. And that is her place of birth. Oh, that is true. Yeah, yeah. So it was a homecoming of sorts. A homecoming. <laughs> yeah, but um, Bing Crosby's in the middle, Lucy's there, Phil Silvers, Carol Burnett. Judy Garland. Is that Leonard Bernstein? Oh, yeah. Up in the corner? Yeah. Um, So back to CBS. The next one, now the next one I'm going to have to ask you about. Um, As you guys may know, a work in progress of mine is counting the number of times S.J. Perlman was drawn. (laughs) I have to admit, I've not started it yet, but we're (laughs) David and I are going on vacation next week, and I feel like this is a great vacation project for me. I think so. I can so. sit and I relax and count all the S.J. Perlman drawings. Uh, but this next drawing of Elizabeth Taylor from 1964 paired in TV Guide? Yes, Is that TV correct? Guide. Yeah, and it says, the title says, S.J. Perlman and Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. I yielded to Elizabeth's entreaties and dined with her. So what is this about? What, do we well, know? This, well, the, uh, the, the, the article's title was, Be a Television Writer. Earn no money, <laughs> and it was true. a classic Perlman piece. Mm. Uh, oh, so Perlman wrote the. the oh, piece. Perlman wrote okay, the piece. Gotcha. And it was about his foray into television, and mm. of course, in Perlman's eyes, it was all ridiculous. Yeah. And and silly people were involved, and he was asked to do ridiculous things, and he made it all come out sounding very, very funny when mm. it probably was very, very frustrating. For right, him. right, right. Um, but he turned that frustrating and frustration into comic gold over and over again. Mm, mm-hmm. And do we know, did he write something for Elizabeth Taylor or do we just? Oh, no, no. I think just, they, okay. no, they uh, I don't think he wrote anything for them, but he's in, he's out in California. I he's see. in Hollywood, probably Burbank or something. And they right. were there. And of course he was, you know, he was S.J. Perlman. Right. Um, right. Writer, uh, you know, he had, he had won a, Oscar in a Mike Todd uh, uh, oh, that's per, true. Um, production of Around the World in 80 Days. Right. And of course, um, and uh, Mike Todd and Elizabeth Taylor were married, I think, from 57 to 58. So she probably had met him before. Right. Exactly. But at this time, she was married to Richard Burton. Of course. Um, and Richard Burton does, uh, there are uh, a number of drawings of Richard Burton with Elizabeth Taylor. And also without Elizabeth Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Okay. And it made me think of something that Hirschfeld wrote in the world of Hirschfeld about celebrities and 
the idea that they don't always look like themselves. Mm, okay. And so let me read that to you. And where's this from, David? It's uh, The World of Hirschfeld, published uh, in 1970. It, um, the essay in it by Hirschfeld is the closest thing we will ever get to an autobiography yeah. uh, by Hirschfeld. Um, and it's really wonderful. Mm. If you have never read this um, or you don't have the book, it's, it's worth finding. It is. Um, it may seem odd, Hirschfeld wrote, but people often do not look like themselves. The shock of meeting a movie star or the president for the first time can be truly confusing. They appear shorter or taller than imagined. They, they seem to be imitations of themselves. One evening in the lobby of a theater during intermission, I said to my companion, look at that fellow over there. Isn't he the spitting image of Richard Burden? Before the intermission ended, a mutual friend introduced us to the attractive stranger, Richard Burden. <laughs> It actually was Mr. Burden. Although I did not think he was a perfect likeness of himself, it must be admitted the resemblance was striking. His face was too large, his eyebrows too small, and his actions were almost indistinguishable from those of normal extroverts who infest lobbies during intermission. And he goes on to talk about that. And he then concludes by saying, the public and private burden for the characterist must be injected with a significance greater than the familiar physical features or the actual physical facts of his behavior. A caricature faithfully adhering to the face I had seen and the behavior I had witnessed would be recognized only by his intimate friends. The bigger than life burden, every girl's dream, every boy's ambition, would be recognized by his movie image, by, uh, be recognized in his movie image by masses of people. To present either of these burdens as he actually appears would be an unrealistic appraisal of the complete man. The drawing would further perpetuate the lie. A personal point of view must be added to give the caricature shape and form. The physical features together combined with the personality of a sex machine are not enough. While both these attributes are undeniable facts, it must be admitted that Mr. Burden is a distinguished and dedicated actor of the classic theater. From my point of view, therefore, the combined aspects of the familiar features, the sex machine, and the serious actor make better material to be interpreted into a caricature of a character. So even someone as well known as Richard Burden gives Hirschfeld pause and makes him think about what he does. Right. And, and how you, how, I, I often say that Hirschfeld was maybe the world's greatest caricaturist and he wasn't even really a caricaturist. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what that uh, that quote reminds me of is when he met President Roosevelt. Sure. And he kind of didn't, Mr. or President Roosevelt didn't live up to what he imagined he would be. His he, cigar was, was it like his cigarette was th fumbling? His cigarette or, fell out of the cigarette yeah. holder. You know, he he lost things. He, right. he, he, he appeared human. human. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, Hirschfeld had such a high opinion of right. Roosevelt, it was very off-putting mm. to find mm -hmm. out that this god was uh, right. had feet of clay. Right. And he concluded by saying uh, that he was glad he never met Lincoln. Right, right. That's funny. Yeah. Well, Hirschfeld, you can count on him. Yeah, but that's what I thought. So the, the, the next drawings are actually are Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burden in perhaps their greatest film role, mm. which was... Of the two of, of them together, a, yeah, I think it's who's the greatest. Afraid of Virginia Woolf? What, I'm a Cleopatra girl. Uh, I'll talk Cleopatra later because we'll get to that. Drawn by Hirschfeld. Oh, I know. That's why I said um, we're going to get to. <laughs> I would think that most critics and aficionados would rate. Who's Are you afraid saying of I'm not an Elizabeth Taylor aficionado? <laughs> 
Uh, no, you're, I said most. Okay, most, okay, fine, uh, fine, fine. Look, you can have any of your favorites that you want. Um, you know but, my favorites are usually the less popular. Because <laughs> <laughs> of everything. Uh, no, no, no. The film, film version is yes. really... No, it, I'm not denying that. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Definitely. And they play this uh, boozy uh, college uh, professor and his wife mm-hmm. um, who have this young couple over. If you've never seen it, you should go out mm-hmm. today watch uh, and watch it um, or stream it on your uh, computer or however mm-hmm. you see mm-hmm. movies. But you should see that one. Yeah. Now, for many years... Uh, there was only one drawing that right. we knew of of this film. And in fact, Hirschfeld included it in the world of Hirschfeld, mm-hmm. had a reproduction of that drawing uh, in the world of Hirschfeld. And it showed a very um, a climactic scene when Burton and Taylor are, are fighting and uh, uh, George Siegel and Sandy Dennis um, have either just arrived or just leaving. Yeah, she's got her um, coat on. Right, and it's a it's a really great drawing. Richard Burton has these bags uh, below his eyes, and, yeah. and sort of it almost looks like mascara above his eyes. <laughs> He's got a very uh, Captain Jack Sparrow look to him. Yes, <laughs> I think he always does, though. But <laughs> um, but last year, um, a fellow who follows us on Twitter, Jay Polk. You know who you are. We love you, Jay Polk. Yeah, <laughs> you're always giving us stuff that we. He don't always have. finds things that we yeah. we don't have, and we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And he posted a drawing of "Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf?" That turns out appeared in Life magazine. Mm. Um, Al had done the the first drawing that we discussed uh, for United Artists right. or Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers to yeah. uh, promote the film, mm-hmm. and this drawing appeared in magazines and newspapers all across the country, right. even around the world. Mm. Um, the second drawing appeared in only one publication. It was done for Life magazine, which Alan had a long history with, mm. going back to the 1930s. And of course, when you were talking about films or theater, if you wanted someone to do a drawing, usually the first person you thought of, if you were an art editor of a publication, was, can we get Hirschfeld? Mm. And indeed, they got Hirschfeld. And so the second drawing also shows Burton and Taylor uh, sort of, uh, I wouldn't say embracing, but uh, together, uh, she's holding a drink and a huge bottle right. in her other hand. Yeah. And and again, it's at a moment when Siegel and Dennis are coming in to meet them for the first time. Right. But it shows, whereas the uh, Warner Brothers drawing uh, do, does away with all background, uh, the one for Life magazine, not surprisingly, Features more information. Right. There's the whole, you get to see more of the set. Right. Because I think he understood where it was going to be seen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's a great drawing nonetheless. Yeah. In 1968, he draws Mr. and Mrs. Richard Burden. Yes. This was their second time they were married? No, this is their first marriage. So they were uh, married, I, I believe, from 64 to 74. Uh, and then they were divorced. They were married again in 1975 and then divorced 1976. Hmm. So it's all very close together. But their first marriage was um, 64 to 74. Well, in this drawing, it's very much of the period. They're mm-hmm. wearing, it's particularly oh, yeah. uh, She Taylor. looks like 1968. Right. This was not a great period in her film career. No. The late was 60s was not very a much great the time. decline. <laughs> they were, um, this is probably done around the time that they appeared in Boom, mm-hmm. which was a film that was scripted by Tennessee Williams. Mm-hmm. 
and people are still debating on what actually it means because it's oh, it's interesting. Uh, it's not one of it's not nobody claims it is one of their great works. I've never heard of it until today, so but <laughs> say no there more. You go. Yeah, but it is a very nice little drawing of both of them. So the next drawing she appears in is another uh, composite of actors from different films. This was announcing the first motion pictures of something called uh, Brute Productions, Mm -hmm. which was a filmmaking arm of, of all things, Fabergé Cosmetics. Mm -hmm. And they were going to make a series of films. Uh, One has to think that they were probably better at making uh, cosmetics. cosmetics than they were at <laughs> films. Uh, the film that Elizabeth Taylor was in is called Night Watch, in which she plays a, a wealthy woman who's recovering from her nervous breakdown. She's being taken care of by her husband and a good mm-hmm. friend, and one day she looks out the window, sees a murder, but does anybody believe her? Mm, sounds good. Yeah. I watched that. <laughs> I'm going to give a shout out to my husband on this uh, drawing. This is the only drawing of Harry Dean Stanton for all you Twin Peaks fans out there. Uh, my husband is a great fan. He recently passed away. Not her husband, but Harry Dean Stanton. No, yes. Harry Dean Stanton recently passed away. But he plays Carl in Twin Peaks if anybody's interested. But this is the only drawing of him. So The next drawing is... Probably, I think, my favorite Hirschfeld drawing of Elizabeth Taylor. And that is, yes, yes. And that is Ash Wednesday from 1973. Um, And this was published in the New York Times. Right. Yep. And it was also, again, it's not a movie that people talk about when they talk about Elizabeth Taylor's career. No. So Ash Wednesday, I know because I researched this. Um, It's a woman who, I believe, goes to Switzerland to get full body cosmetic surgery to surprise her husband. And then I think she ends up, like, seducing one of the men there. And then her husband comes and, I guess, gives her breaking news of some sort that changes her life. Uh, but so it's kind of forgettable. They It's never been released on DVD because, of course, I checked. Um, you can get the VHS on Amazon and eBay. Um but this is this is actually kind of an important film because I'm sure everybody can imagine the photograph of Elizabeth Taylor kind of hiding between behind a strand of pearls. Right. That is a promotional image from Ash Wednesday. No kidding. Yep, yep. So it does kind of have a have an important role. And and uh, but not a necessarily an important role for Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> no, but it, I feel like my image of Elizabeth Taylor is behind those pearls. So I yes. think it's a very famous, um, iconic image. That's not what the Hirschfeld drawing is. Um, she's kind of losing her mind. Her hair's really big. She's got those almost uh, Richard Burton eyes, actually. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, but it's a nice drawing. Um. She then, we, we've seen Elizabeth Taylor now in movies and television. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, so to get the, tri- the Hirschfeld trifecta, the trifecta. She, Triple needs, threat. she needs to appear on stage. Yes. And indeed she does. In 1981, she appears on Broadway in The Little Foxes. Mm. She plays uh, Regina. And uh, I, from all reports, she, she, she was well-reviewed. Of course, mm, it was very mm-hmm. popular. Um, Elizabeth Taylor must have really liked the drawing because she, she bought it. Right. And she was a collector of her, of her drawings, was she not? Uh, I don't know how many of her drawings okay. that she had, but she, she liked his drawings. Yeah. And she liked him personally. Aww. Uh But, of course, 
that's not breaking news. Yeah, I can't think of everybody who, who didn't like Hirschfeld personally yeah, yeah. and really didn't like the drawings. Right, right. Even people, Catherine Hepburn, you know, would talk about being scared about how she was mm, going to be drawn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she wanted to be drawn, yeah. and she collected all the drawings. Right, right. So um, he was a part of the process, particularly in the movies mm-hmm. and, and in theater, as we know. Um, you really weren't somebody until Hirschfeld drew you. Right. And Elizabeth Taylor is, is sort of living proof of that mm-hmm. from her very first yeah. um, drawing uh, to these later ones, yeah. um, celebrating an actress who's now sort of past her prime. Right, right. She would make no more great films after mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Um, but she would appear on Broadway in 1981 um, in Little Foxes, and in 1982 and 83 in Private Lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in Private Lives, she appeared with Richard Burden. Yeah, interesting. And Even, they were not married. They were not married, no. but of course it's a story of uh, a couple who has divorced at her at a resort with mm. their new spouses, and they see each other. Interesting. And they, you know, the whole play is about them meeting up again. Uh, and you know what? She was unmarried in 1983. A short period of time. No, no, it was actually, she had a gap there. She had a gap. Let's give her a break. From 1982 to 1991, she was not married to anybody. So, all right, but we're not here to talk about marriages. (laughs) Um, Um, There were, uh, we believe there are two drawings of her in private lives. One Mm -hmm. that was uh, uh, also done for the London Daily Mail. Mm. But we do not have a clipping of that, and neither did Hirschfeld. If you have one. Jay Polk, where yeah, are Jay you? Polk. When we need Jay you? Polk, what is the magazine? What is it? London <laughs> Daily Times. The the London Daily Mail. From oh, from May nineteen eighty three. Yes. <laughs> or anybody else who wants We've to. We've given take. you the if coordinates. You wanna, if you want to beat Jay Polk to the to the finish line. Um, in any event, so the final Hirschfeld drawings of Elizabeth Taylor are retrospective. Right. Um, And this is something that started happening to Hirschfeld in the 70s. He -hmm. had been drawing for 50 years at that point, uh, over 50 years, almost 60. And all of a sudden, he starts getting asked to do drawings of films that had come out much, much earlier. Mm. Um, And uh, in some cases, he drew the film originally, and 40 years later, he's drawing the film again. He's drawing another one, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of these that were done in the the 80s and 90s, these were eventually made into prints, into limited edition prints. Right. There was, so there's an etching of Elizabeth Taylor reclining on the bed in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Correct, correct. And it's a really, it's, I mean, it's a seductive, wonderful piece. yeah. Um, and that was done in 1989. Right. Um, and then in 2000, he was asked to draw Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burden. In Cleopatra. I told you we were going to come back. Uh, so I do like this one as well. And this one actually also, um, I remember when I first started working here, uh, we had this, We had I had to get this printout and package it for some reason, and I don't remember what it was for. Um, but I noticed the paper of it. It's very different and it's actually very Egyptian looking, mm. at least to me. Sure. Can you describe it? It's it's um it's shiny. It's much more of a um much more of a textured like a smooth can you imagine what I'm talking about? Right. David? It's a, a I think a cold pressed paper. Yeah. Um but it's it's like it's an archer's paper of some sort. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's very different um 
from most the Beatles prints are also kind of on that same mm. um, paper. But I, that just always it was the first um, print that I had kind of seen with that different paper than kind of the standard arches paper he would use. Sure. Um, so I always remember that. Uh, well, the other one that I think of in that way is uh, M Butterfly. Yes, it's that same. Yes, exactly. Uh, That's really Wong. rice, yeah, rice, rice paper. paper. Okay, mm-hmm. but isn't it kind of Egyptian feeling? It's, yes. Uh, and I guess maybe that's. I mean, maybe it's just kind of a uh, foreign or a you know a romanticized, right? Trop, you know, uh, not tropical, but foreign type of paper. It's exotic. Exotic. That's the word I'm looking for. Yes. Uh, exotic. It's exotic and yeah. it's appropriate for the piece itself. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, yeah. I was never much involved in the printmaking per se. Correct. My right. my field of interest uh, with Hirschfeld and what I spent more time with him about was the drawings themselves. Right. No, definitely. Um, but I told you we would come back to Cleopatra. This was one of my favorite movies as a child. As everybody knows, I was a very strange child. Um, but this one always sticks out to me because um, I, well, I must have been like seven or eight. Um, but I cut my my bangs like she has in Cleopatra. Mm. And they're extremely short bangs. And I got in a lot of trouble. I mean, we're talking like, you know, like three quarters of an inch bangs. Um, and so I got very, I got in trouble. But I wanted to be Elizabeth Taylor. Well, there are, uh, and you know, I still wouldn't object to it now. So. <laughs> when when she passed away, I wouldn't object away, if you you were Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah, when she passed away in 2011, I remember exactly where I was. I was in. Um, my uh, Renaissance architecture class at 8 a.m. at Penn State, and like five different people text me telling <laughs> telling me that Elizabeth Taylor had died. So everybody uh, knew I was. I Elizabeth have no Taylor idea fan. where I was when I heard <gasps> the news. You don't. I know where I, I was when Michael Jackson died. Oh my gosh. No, I, that was earth shattering. Speaking of Elizabeth Taylor, they were they were friends. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. How do we wrap this up, David? Well, Elizabeth Taylor is a great example of Hirschfeld capturing an entire career. That's true. Right, right. Um, from the time that she's literally a child right. to the time that she's past her prime. Yeah. The, the other one I think of is Julie Harris. Oh, of course. Because he draws Julie Harris when she's quite young and as a quite an older woman. But what is so remarkable about the length of Hirschfeld's career mm-hmm. is this. When he started drawing Julie Harris or Elizabeth mm-hmm. Taylor, he had been already working for 20 or 25 years, <laughs> right. which would be an entire career for many, many people. And I think most and, people. Right. <laughs> most and, and, artists, and in the yeah. field that he was in, it was mm. probably twice as long as most of mm-hmm. his contemporaries. Right. Um, and they would go through their whole career, achieve superstardom, uh, go into their decline, and he would still have another 10 years in his career. Uh, or 15 or 20 years. I mean, his last drawing of Elizabeth Taylor in uh, a production that she was in is 1983. Mm. So he goes on for another 20 years. Right. And I know we've talked about this quite a bit, like with Chaplin or the Marx Brothers. He covers their whole career and then ends up doing retrospectives of the career. um, Like this Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and, and Cleopatra drawing. Right. Um, they had become icons. Right. He, they, you know, she went from young the girl. The star. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Young girl to the star to uh, now right. a star. Right. Among many. Er, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Part of the constellation. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, and but for Hirschfeld, it didn't matter where they were in their career. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really approached all the drawings in the same way. Right. Um, and again, he was looking for a drawing that would... Um, 
be more important than its topical news value. Right. And as we look at some of these drawings from all different parts of her career, mm -hmm. we see some great drawings. And whether you know who they are of right. or not. Or the films. Right. Like Ash Wednesday. I've never seen it. Uh, right. I think most people haven't. But that's a great drawing. Right. So uh, his drawings actually uh, survive uh, these people's career or even the people themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's a wrap on Elizabeth Taylor as seen by Hirschfeld. Right. Uh, of course, as always, I'll put all the images in the show notes. Um, so you can follow right along as we're talking about all this random, you know, things that I throw in there at you. But if you're driving, <laughs> please wait to, yes. use, to use stop the car. Or to have look your at the passenger image. click on the images. You should not be looking at any drawings while you're driving <laughs> if you are indeed the driver. Okay, fine, fine. Um, but I'll have those all up. You can, of course, visit us at alhirschfeldfoundation.org. You can send us uh, letters, uh, advice, info at alhirschfeldfoundation.org. Right. So, uh, as always, so, uh, as always, our theme music is done by Dick Hyman. Uh, it is called um, Searching for Three Ninas. And you can learn more about Dick at his uh, website, dickhyman.com. Mm -hmm. One of the, a great jazz pianist. I would like to give a shout out, I forgot, to Michael Arthur. He informed me on the CBS episode, you know, I had a little quarrel with David about Dateline. Uh, Dateline is actually an NBC show and uh, didn't start till very, very recently um, in the scheme of Hirschfeld. Uh, but Dateline was actually a phrase that newscasters used to say. Right. And so we feel I, he corrected me that it was not the show. It was actually just probably the news saying Dateline. <laughs> Does that make sense? Well, sure. My That's point nice. is he pointed out Dateline's not a CBS show, never was a CBS show, and he is absolutely correct. Um, I was wrong. Yes. Thank you, Michael. so infrequently on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, so we're on Facebook, the Al Hirschfeld Foundation, uh, Twitter and Instagram at Al Hirschfeld. And if you like this podcast and you think other people would like yeah. this podcast, there is something that you can do. Even if you are a shut-in, don't like speaking to anybody, you can rate and review us. Yeah. And that will help more people find out about, and this is on Apple, iTunes. Yeah. You can rate and review us, and that will help more people find out us, about yeah. us. Yeah, and it's really good for my self-esteem as well. Yes. <laughs> so say nice things about Please. it. Please. <laughs> um, and then our podcast, if you don't want to go to the iTunes store, um, at, or it's uh, alhirschfeldfoundation.org slash podcasts, S with an S. For Suddenly Last Summer. Is that an Elizabeth Taylor movie? Of course. <sighs> I feel like that we could have done better than that. But well, so okay. what do you think? S is for second marriage to Richard Burton. <laughs> no, that's just as bad. <laughs> okay, well, we will see you next time. We look forward to it. We'll see you when we do. Bye.